Hey, Streety. <laughs> we lost you there for a sec. Hey, Nugget. Hey, mate. Hey, boys. We are here. Good morning. Episode. Good Good morning. Good evening. It's five o'clock somewhere in the world. Who knows? <laughs> this is I'm a just... rough start, but we're yeah. here for number 54 of Sports and Spit. Welcome to No rougher all. than the previous 54 have been, I'd say. Big episode tonight, boys. There has plenty have been happening since our last show a couple of weeks ago. Plenty. Heaps. Heaps in sport, right? It's all uh, sporting world is coming to a, a bit of a um, a peak. Um, crescendo. Crescendo. Mm-hmm. Um, it's been a massive couple of weeks here um, on the sporting front. And uh, as things are heading south, society-wise, and with this whole COVID lockdown and all that sort of fun, fun and games, thank Christ we've got uh, some sport to look forward to. Yep, but we're losing a bit. Let's. You want to start local? Start local. Australian Formula One Grand Prix cancelled for a second year due to COVID restrictions and the fact that obviously the drivers and the teams would have to quarantine when they got here. So the MotoGP was also cancelled at Phillip Island. What do you make of that, Streety? Is the Australian government to blame for the demise of big events in Australian sport? I think our geography is probably a lot to blame as well. Just the logistics of travelling, you know, across the world, literally, mm-hmm. to the yep. bottom of the planet, uh, to not only potentially have to quarantine for two weeks, but just bringing all your support crew this far um, with that uncertainty, it's too hard to plan for. So I understand why organisers of major motor racing events made this decision. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just going to be on the politicians and the tourism bodies and whoever it is in, who's wearing the suits in order to attract these events is to actually get them back. You know, it's one thing to lose them, but getting it back is going to be the the bigger fight. Yeah, it's going to be a big ask, I think, to um, to hold on to some of these big events because I know that there's obviously cities around the world that would love a Formula One Grand Prix and a MotoGP as well. Um, and the longer that Australia continues the border lockdown, the more that we're going to see national or international events not want to come to this country because we are going to be the outlier in the world because of the fact that vaccination rates are a lot higher across the world. And, you know, you can do a lot more. It's a lot logistically, a lot easier. It's you, you're absolutely right. From a geography perspective, Australia does already suffer a little bit because of the fact that people don't want to bring major sporting events. And, you know, there's even talk now of it affecting the, the IOC's, you know, belief that Brisbane is the best host city for the 2032 Olympic Games. Um, that's a long way away. I get that. But, you know, it's still a consideration for people that uh, Australia's got to be ready to open its borders and host an event. Jeez, it wouldn't look good if we uh, lost a one-horse race losing the Olympics. <laughs> Olympic Games where the yeah. only city in the running. Well, I think the national sentiment would absolutely turn more against Scott Morrison than it is at the moment. So um, probably a little bit more than it's recently turned against Ben Simmons. Hasn't it, boys? So I believe that you guys mentioned Ben last time. Yes, it's been a bit of a tumultuous week for Benny. Um, mm. It seems like a lot of the Australian sporting public have, you know, almost ready to turn their back on him, which is a bit of a shame. Um, yeah, we I'm certainly... not sure whether the whole public are privy to all the circumstances surrounding the situations happening with him. But, um, you know, it's, it's disappointing that he won't be playing with the Boomers. Mm. Um, 
Yeah. I'm sure he's obviously got his reasons for it and some people struggle to understand why. And um, fingers crossed that, uh, you know, we don't get, uh, th- th- there's not a four yearly cycle of, uh, of, of having the hopes up and, and being, being let down, yeah. What did you make of all the stories this week, Nugget, about Ben Simmons in terms of, you know, so we obviously saw his poor performance for Philadelphia in uh, in the NBA playoffs and then obviously the pylon from that. But this week in particular, there's been a bit of fuel thrown on that fire by um, uh, two things. One, Ben appearing at Wimbledon with his girlfriend, obviously at centre court and, seemingly not looking like he's working on his game. Um, but also one of Australia's finest basketballers, Andrew Bogut, coming out on his podcast and detailing a story um, from back in 2019 um, when Ben was you know, being paid to promote Victorian tourism um, and the Victorian government asked, uh, Basketball Australia to let Ben play in some exhibition games in Melbourne against the United States national team. Um, that was a bit of a story, I think, that caused a bit of a stir. You know, what did you make of that, Nug? Yeah, I mean, you got to remember. I mean, Bogut now he's not playing. He's part of the media spotlight. He's got to promote his podcast. He's got to promote his. The government since have come out and said, no, none of that's true. And, mm. you know, there's certain funding things that have gone on in the background and it was always set aside for basketball stadiums and things like that. I mean, what is he, 24? He's 24 yeah. making millions of dollars a year. Yeah. This week, I suppose it goes to show that, one, he either just has blinkers on and just really doesn't look at too much social media mm-hmm. or... But yeah. two, he's, he's other, he's, he's clutch sports. I mean, he, he, his life is a business. That's what it is. Mm. And, I mean, in business, it's, you know, it's, it's not show friends, it's show business. So, so I mean, that's the thing. It's, it's, look, at the end of the day, take it back when I was 24, give me $20 million a year. <laughs> I don't it would give never. Two, It'd be I do not give two flying fucks what, <laughs> <laughs> what Joe Blow thinks of me for not playing in the Olympics. I suppose, look, it's disappointing. Don't get mm. me wrong. Like, because yeah. the Australian sport, Australian, um, you want to see him play at that level. You'd like yeah. to see him with a bit of passion. Mm. Um, and now, whether perceived or not, as far as Paddy Mills goes, I mean, look, he, he's sort of doing it well. And, you know, he got announced as a, as a uh, dual flag bearer, which is yeah. fantastic. And I mean, look, that's what you'd love to see in Ben. But again, you got to remember, he's got some Olympics still in him. Mm. Uh, it's not as if this is his last chance. I suppose it more pisses the basketball community off because we've got so many NBA stars that are in there. And if not last Olympics, this is sort of our window. And yeah. is that going to be slammed shut? So, yeah, yeah mate, it's, uh, everyone's got an opinion on it. But at the same mm. time, you've you got to take a step back and go, well, you know, yeah, you might have had some bad advice. But, look, let's have some support for the team that is there and we move on sort of thing. So, Because in 12 months' time, it's not even a story. We're going, oh, you're going to get traded and so on. And we're more looking at that. Yeah. yeah. So, so do you think do you think he will get traded, boys? Will he will he be gone from Philadelphia? Is that a salvageable relationship? I don't no. think so. I think he's one hundred percent gone. And you know, his his management team, the Clutch, aren't stupid. So, 
you know, they'd be working, you know, the it's a case of, you know, no, no news is good news, right? So if Ben, um, after his, you know, tumultuous end with, with the Sixers after the playoffs, goes to the Olympics and then we see more of the same where, you know, in a medal game, you know, other team intentionally fouls him, puts him in the fit, maybe misses some shots, whatever it may be. Um, you know, his his tradable asset, him him as a tradable asset plummets. So not not speaking for him, but, you know, kind of knowing, having, having an insight as to how the NBA operates, his his management are going to want to put him and his sponsors. They want to, they want him in a market where he is marketable. So those markets are big big, big cities, you know, with 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 uh, you know teams with, with larger profiles. At the yeah. moment, Ben Simmons' trade stock is fairly low. So his do you team really is, think it is? Do you, or do you think that that's do you think that that's the media pylon? Like, so the reality is is that Philadelphia are going to enter like they're going to receive some low ball offers like they have already. With, I believe, a report coming out that the Pacers would have offered Malcolm, yeah. Malcolm Brogdon, right? Now, yeah. so so the thing is, is I think there's a perception out there that Ben's trade value will be pretty low. I, I actually, I, I'm not saying that it would be as high as what it is, what it was 12 months ago when they were talking about a James Harden trade. But I, but I've got to go on record here as saying I don't really think the Rockets were ever going to trade for Ben Simmons. I think they were using that as a way to leverage. Um, leverage whatever they could get from the Brooklyn Nets, right? For example. Yeah. Um, now, so I'm not so sure. Like, if you're a GM in the NBA, unless you're part of a team that isn't really, you know, like there'd be, you'd be hard pressed to find a team that wouldn't be considering trading for him. It's, it'll be hard for some of them to put together a package, but I'm, I'm sure most of them will try. Like an all NBA defensive first team guy, he shot 60% from the free throw line during the season. I'm not saying that he didn't have a bad series. He did. Um, and clearly there's some confidence issues that he has to work on. Um, none of those are insurmountable though. And I think there's a, there's plenty more value out of Ben Simmons than what we've seen. A thousand percent. And, you know, like it, it, it's, it's, in many ways, you know, Ben and, and fitting with Embiid and the Sixers was trying to fit a, a square peg in a round hole because you had you, you've got a big dominant sort of point guard and, and you have a, you have a dominant center. So that, that often those guys are taking each other's space, mm. and you know the roles are almost reversed. Where normally you don't have your big man who can shoot. It's, it's usually your, your backcourt players are generally a better shooter than your big man. <clears throat> so there's there, there's a problem. So their their on court chemistry didn't necessarily mesh that well or didn't translate into postseason wins. And they won plenty of games in, in the regular season. A lot of people are putting, you know, um, Ben obviously has to take a bit of ownership for his, the fact that, you know, he struggles so much shooting because, you know, it's, it's a skill that is learned and got better with, with repetition. Now, how much you care about getting better, that's on the individual. But if you have a look at the Sixers in their track record with the process, you know, a lot of people are saying that Ben's failed on that, but maybe Ben is just in the wrong environment from the very start, you know, if, if, if you look at the, you know, the, the process and, you know, maybe the Sixers failed in that with, you know, a lot of their picks, you know, they picked uh, Simmons, obviously he's turned out to be, you know, good. They picked Markel Fultz. So his shooting wise are well-documented. Uh, they picked Nerlens Noel, um, who sort of, you know, almost busted out of being a top pick. Jill Okafor, another bust, barely in the league. 
And then uh, more recently, or they had the chance to get Jason Tatum, but then they took Markel Fultz. And then the, uh, the Zaire Smith, you know, the kid they almost killed because he had a nut, nut allergy. Mm. So, you know, it's been a well-documented, their history of injury management, all sorts of stuff have, uh, have you know, has gone on there. So I yeah. kind of think that, uh, that, that Ben probably needs a change and wherever he may go, I think he probably will flourish. Yeah, I don't, I don't think that the relationship with him and teammates like Joel Embiid is salvageable now. I think, I think the 76ers will continue to say that they want him um, and I, they, they potentially may want him, but I, I think it would be pretty, you'd be hard pressed to find those two guys to be happy to be in training camp together at the start of the year. Right. Um, yeah. Look, there was, you know, some of the things that Andrew Bogut has said in his podcast, I think is valuable advice um, and, and a pretty fair point, I guess, you know, like Ben putting himself out there on social media and saying, I'm working on my game. I'm doing this. Um, that's probably not good for his psyche, you know, probably don't do that just for the fact of you probably setting expectations and making it worse for yourself. Uh, Bogut saying, you know, I've got no problem with Ben not playing, but the one foot in and one foot out with the boomers is frustrating. Um, and it's frustrating from a player perspective and it's frustrating from a fan perspective. Um, I think that's a decent point. Um, I think, you know, also Andrew Bogut is going the same way as Nugget said, as most retired sports stars who form, forge a career in the media, however they do it, um, which is, you know, they're very quick to forget some of the things that they did during their career as well. Um, and some of the decisions that they made and, you know, and that's fair enough. You, you're there to generate content. You're there to generate discussion as well. Um, but, you know, you know, we obviously have to go on record saying we're, we, we obviously got some friendship connections with the Simmons family. Um, and, you know, I think the, the rhetoric that, that that family is wrecking that man's life or that man's career is a bit rough. And it's a bit sad from an Australian perspective, that we just continue to try and pile on to any sports star to rip them down as much as we possibly can. And, and I'll, I'll segue into something in a second, but certainly, you know, that's why it's disappointing for me because I know, I do know some of their, that family personally, and I know that they've only ever had his best interests at heart. And, and I'm sure like all of us, they might've made mistakes and advice they've given him or whatever, but you know, their intent has always been really good and they're a great bunch of people. Um, and you know they're dealing with circumstances that none of us have ever kind of confronted in our lives, and it's not all roses, it's not all easy. Um, and so I take my hat off to them for the class that they've shown in doing it. Um, but that that rhetoric of tearing us our sports stars down is one that I want to talk about, boys. So so you mentioned earlier, Nugget, that Paddy Mills has been announced as one of the flag bearers for the opening ceremony for the Tokyo Games for Australia. Well, the other one is Kate Campbell, uh, fourth Olympics as an individual competitor for swimming events. Um, Kate's an amazing athlete, but she's also been somebody that hasn't delivered on the high expectations that people have had of her. Um, and I've seen that, you know, since, since the announcement only an hour or two ago that, um, you know, some people can't understand why Kate Campbell got the opportunity to be the flag bearer. Um, some people have jumped on board and just said, that's a load of shit. I don't believe she should be the flag bearer. You know, this, 
this particular fascination with Australians just tearing each other down and tearing our sports stars down in particular. Where does this come from? Is this just the old tall poppy syndrome, boys? What like what do you what do you boys make of this? Well, I think yeah. it's, 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 it's 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 next level tall poppy because you know people can you, you, everyone knows about the term keyboard warrior, so you can mm. go in and say whatever you want without repercussion. Yeah, you know, like the, the fact that she maybe has come short, come up short of metal expectations, you know, wherever it may be uh, at the Olympics, shouldn't really bear <laughs> on the fact that. Uh, a first selection. Um, you know, it's not often that we have two bearers, so there's obviously good reason for why she was picked, and you know, um, and her selection was obviously justified and, and warranted alongside Patty. Um, you know, we had Andrew Gaze fly the flag for Australia um, at the Sydney Games, but you know, mm. repeatedly the Boomers had failed, or you know, had a few fourth place finishes and and chucked a few games away in, in the Olympics before that. Um, but that didn't seem to be an issue when Andrew Gaze was picked out. He was sort of celebrated and lauded for that. Mm. Um, yeah, I don't know. I think uh, yeah, I think we're just in a in a in a time now where you know people want results, and you know um, if it doesn't come straight away, then everyone's quick to criticise. Yeah, yeah, no? yeah. I think yeah, I think. I mean the the biggest thing for me, and it sort of hit home. It was a few years back. My old man did the New York Marathon, mm. and he said it's it's just amazing the 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 difference between Australia and America in certain like you know we look at Americans go arrogant pricks and all this shit, but yeah. as as I wouldn't call Dad a superstar whatsoever, but oh, if you're in your late sixties, seventies doing marathons, good luck to you. Mm. But at the same time. When he it was it came after a few days after the marathon and someone he was wearing a hat and someone said oh you did the marathon they're on a sightseeing trip and he said yeah mm. I actually did I did the marathon I finished and they said oh do you have your finishers medal mm. and they were like oh yeah it's in my bag or and then they got up and they did three cheers for him because he did this thing and then they gave him actually free beers that on yeah the which <laughs> yeah. which tour is this I want to see this but it it it, mm. it comes from the whole um, pumping them up. Yeah. Now again, it, it, well, you're an athlete if you finish a marathon, <laughs> like it's bloody hell. But at the same time, it's the whole pumping them up, and they, yeah. they they love success regardless what level it is. Now, on the flip side of that, if you're going no good, they'll shit on you. But <laughs> at the same time, just for giving it a go, and they encourage you, they do that. Whereas you know, if you wore a Melbourne Marathon T-shirt around, or thought, oh, look at this wanker sort of thing, is the Australian way. So, I don't know. It, it, it's a hard one. Where do you think that originated just... stem from, this whole tall poppy syndrome? Like, I think just... What's the roots know, of like... it? You know, did it come out of the post-war era or pre or, you know, like it, it's... I think... I don't know if it's post-war or, or it's just the case of, you know, everyone's equal and, you know, you bring those people that are... Like Australians always talk about it, you know. My mates keep me grounded. Like you hear the celebrities say yeah. that, like, and it's, I don't know. And and I mean, another one is another one of our friends played, you know, college basketball, professional basketball, and so on. When he came back from America, I thought he was an absolute tool, mm. like because he was most arrogant. And it wasn't until much later that we had the conversation about that. And he said, "You can't help but feel that way because in America, you're pumped. You're so far pumped up. You are." Everywhere you go, it's like, mm. yes, yes, yes. Whereas you come back here and it's like, oh, those wankers or whatever it might be. So, you, yeah. so to the answer to it, I don't know. But 
the the difference between just those two countries and so on. I, I don't know where it's come from or or what. It's I mean, an in, yeah, it's an interesting analogy you make with your dad in the marathon. Uh, I've run the New York Marathon and I've run marathons in Australia, and I can tell you now clearly the New York Marathon in anything in New York is on a much bigger scale than anywhere in the world. But, but I can tell you that the difference between running a marathon in, in, in America or in any other country where I've run one in, in Australia is significantly different. So in New York, you feel like the whole city has come out to support you. There is fire trucks there. The crowd is 10 to 20 people deep. Um, it, honestly, every step of the way, you feel like you, you just this surge of adrenaline because um, because the whole city seems to be cheering you on, and you want to give everyone a high five. Um, when you run on the Gold Coast, it's kind of like you got in everyone's way from getting their latte in the morning, and <laughs> they've got the shits with you, right? So you'll get the odd cheer, and you know, like as you kind of cover the course, every kilometer or so, there'll be a family there giving you high fives. It's not to say that on the Gold Coast you don't get any support at all. But, but nothing compares to how well Americans get behind a sporting event is my point, I guess. Mm. Um, and, and they are quick to, to, to smash you. Obviously, you know, Simmons is getting smashed by Philadelphia. Um, notoriously, there are some cities that are just horrible, but Americans are more patriotic and Australians tend to want to be more humble. Um, don't brag about your success. Don't wave it in front of other people's face. And maybe it does come from that mateship where you don't want to separate yourself from, from the group. Uh, maybe that is, you know, in this folklore of Australian history, if we're, if we're not equals, then we can't be mates. Um, so I've got to bring you down. You know, I've got to give you shit. I've got to, you know, I've got to humble you a, a bit, I guess, and keep you grounded. Um, but it's a shame because, you know, Kate Campbell, four Olympics, mate, that's 17 years at the top. Of, of a very highly competitive sport, right? Now, no doubt on an international stage, she hasn't delivered what even she would have said her goals are. But this lady is 29 years old, right? Hmm. And this is her fourth Olympics, right? So uh, maybe how can that be right? I don't even know if that's right. But anyway, but ultimately... 17, yeah. She was 17 yeah. in the first one. Yeah, yeah. So she's 17, right? And... You know, that's just a – like, that's an amazing achievement in itself. Four Olympics. Mate, carry the flag, for God's sake. Like, you know, someone, This is his fault. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, um, yeah, look, it's a shame. Like, you know, it's not just because we've obviously got some personal connections with Ben Simmons. It's just always a shame. I, You know, people hated Leighton Hewitt early in his career. People hated Nick Curios up until he just started hosting Ninja Warrior. Right. That's right. Everyone loves him now. <laughs> but, but because we all, because he's shown a bit of humility, everyone kind of goes, you know, he's not a bad bloke. Fucking Nick Kyrgios. But like three years ago, people wanted to take a shit on his head. Like, yeah. so it's, but because he's also bagged somebody else who's got a bigger ego than him in Novak Djokovic and he's taken on a couple of celebrities and cut them down in the tennis world, then everyone thinks, you know, who was misjudged? Nick Kyrgios was misjudged. You know, like, well, maybe it was all of us that were misjudging people. I don't know. So maybe like, you got to be a dickhead and bag out a bigger, bigger dickhead to get the respect. Oh, yeah. Well, that's the thing. Like, really, what's he done on the court differently? Nothing. Well, he He's hasn't even been, been on the court, mate. 
He has, well, like, so yeah. he may be fought his way through a couple of rounds of the Australian Open, which was a weakened and watered down field anyway. Um, and all his and it, and he hasn't changed any of his approach. He's still just as lackadaisical when it comes to preparation. He's just as much of arrogant in the, in his games when he goes and asks for serving advice from the crowd and asks them where to serve on match point, right? Like he's still carrying on with those antics that everyone had such a problem with three years ago. But because two nights earlier he's hosting Ninja Warrior, everyone kind of goes, fuck, oh, he's actually a pretty good bloke. Well, you know, it's a weird, it's a weird phenomenon in this country. I don't know. Anyway. Mm. And one of our so, friends, and one of our friends recently suggested that what Ben Simmons should have done was instead of taking a hundred and fifty million dollar contract, he should have taken a hundred million dollar contract, and that would mean the expectations were less on him, and therefore the pressure would be less. I've never heard anything so stupid in all my life. <laughs> like, like, okay, so somehow you would pass up $50 million just in case someone thinks you didn't meet their expectations, right? Firstly, mate, I'm glad that bloke's not a financial planner. Fucking shoot me now, <laughs> right? But at the same time, like, what, so you should never, that's, the, that's just crazy. But that's the mentality <laughs> of some people, anyway. Well, Nick Kyrgios yeah. had a uh, brief but um, entertaining run at Wimbledon. Playing yep. of some mixed doubles with Venus Williams. Yep. Um, so good on the filler. Suck it on well, his... did you hear the controversy about him today, boys? About how he's been named in the Tokyo Olympic team, but it's probably more likely going to pull out. And we found out by he posted a picture of his next training block and he had written in the top corner next event. Uh, and it was an American tournament, I think. Um, that he's written down as his next event, but it's happening at the same time as the Olympics. And so yeah, everyone's right. kind of gone, oh, well, that must mean he's not playing in the Olympics, even though he's been named in the team. Yeah. But, you know, but Ben Simmons, I don't know. There's some free throws. <laughs> uh, it's just, but like I said, three years ago, we would have all piled on Nick Curios, but today that didn't even make the paper. Yeah. Mm. Well, let's focus on uh, something a little more positive. Paddy Mills. Let's talk about him for a quick second. I mean, is has there ever been a more deserving flag bearer than Pat Mills for all that he does on the court, his achievements as an Olympian in the NBA and what he does for his, you know, the Australian uh, Indigenous communities and, you know, all the work he does off the court with his programs and things like that? Yeah. Um, uh the short answer to that question is yes, and you need to get off his dick and you need to cut him down to size. No, it's okay. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Um, I, look, honestly, he's a deserving recipient of the honour. Uh, like, you know, he's a guy who has lived and breathed the Olympic movement in terms of wanting to be a part of it for his country. Um, but off the court, he has done and continues to do some amazing things for the people of Australia most notably the Indigenous people of Australia. Um, so he absolutely deserves it. I think it's fantastic. But at the same token, there have been some amazing flag bearers over the history, right? Like there's been some people that have, have like, you know, just as deserving. But certainly this time around, mate, I think you, you couldn't have gone past him. You know? Best person for the job. Yeah, absolutely. And I've got to say, get up for the Olympics. I mean, back in the day, Maka, we would get up for uni games like there was uh, – like it, like it would be the greatest event on the planet. So, 
I can only imagine <laughs> that Olympic being an Olympian would be uh, that times a million. Mate, I don't think you could. You could never be that drunk, Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> Mate, honestly, I like I'll come clean here, Streety. Every time I went anywhere near the uni games, it was only because I was pretending they were the Olympics because that was as close <laughs> as it's ever going to get. So, yeah, you know, uh, I like it wasn't. You know, no doubt in my mind, every time we stepped anywhere near the uni games, no matter what I was doing, I was pretending that I was in the Australian Olympic team and this was the village. Um, like, <laughs> that so, was good fun. Oh, yeah, it was great. So but I tell you what, boys, there's one of the things that I did want to say, it'd been a fair bit of recognition for basketballers in carrying the Australian flag at the Olympics. Andrew yep. Gaze, Lauren Jackson. Um, you know, we we... We've done okay as a sport. I mean, if that's our primary sport that we obviously support, you know, it's not like we've struggled to get recognition, right? Well, I think because basketball, A, is an international sport, one of your top sort of uh, team sports, you know, obviously, you know, behind football, soccer. Um, But it's it's a sport that is played every year. There's leagues worldwide. So it's, it's not anything that's cyclical, you know, like swimming is, is almost, even though it happens all the time, it only really gains a big exposure every, every four years when the Olympics is on, you know, yeah, same goes for athletics, you know, so we've got like an athletics world champion and Sally Pearson and uh, you know, like a, she's had some amazing achievements at the Olympics and world championships. Mm. You, you seldom hear of her unless it's, in, you know, in, in an Olympic year or, or, or the lead up to so obviously when, you know, sponsors get on board and, and get on that hype train. But um, so, yeah, I mean, obviously um, basketball being in front of your eyes all the time helps our cause. Um, but, you know, we do perform very well on an international stage at, internet, at an individual level. Now, just want to stop you there. What did you say, Nugget, you dickhead? <laughs> so swimming's not even a sport, mate. But anyway, it's more of a hobby. You've been yeah. carrying on with that rubbish for 20 years. <laughs> How many times do I have to tell you? Now, Streety is right. It, there, there is no unifying professional league which brings swimming to the forefront of everyone's mind unless it's the Olympics. I will admit that. You're an idiot if you think <laughs> that swimming doesn't take an amazing amount of dedication, talent and hard work. Like, honestly, I'm not even going to bother. I can't even bother responding. Oh. It takes it takes a, a lot of syringes and a lot of blokes. Uh, I mean, women with large, broad shoulders. But That'll yes. do, mate. You are right. Let's talk well, about one of those. That's uh, that's potentially opening a can of worms, which I'm trying to avoid. But um, I, don't, I don't know if we should touch well, the. Uh, well, let's touch New Zealand. Oh, team situation. No, we're not touching that. No, we're not touching it. Let's no. touch on another Olympic controversy. So um, the American sprinter, I, I can't remember her name. Is it Shikari Richardson or something? Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. Who, who, the, long, the big orange hair, yeah. So she was, she was obviously taken off the US Olympic track and field team for a recent positive test for marijuana. And she came clean and admitted that she she smokes marijuana and um, and uses it both as a medical and recreation aid, um, and and as did a number of athletes around the American circuit, but also probably the international circuit. What do you make of this, boys? Is this a fair move by like you know like what do you? No, is, no. it's archaic. No, it's behind the times. It's it's I, ludicrous. It's horseshit. Like. 
She smoked it. She smoked. She smoked a plant that grows out of the ground that is a natural resource of of Earth. You know what I mean? Like it's 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 ridiculous that in this day and age, like if anything, pot would be it wouldn't enhance performance. So the fact mm. that she can actually sprint and qualify and do well while she's had it should be a testament to her ability as a sportswoman. Uh, <laughs> so she shouldn't be suspended for it. And the NBA, yeah. you know, um, stopped giving suspensions for players who was, you know, um, smoking marijuana during the bubble. Um, and it's legalised in, in however many states as, you know, for medicinal and recreational use. So I think it's ludicrous that, you know, she cops the suspension and I think the US athletics have to sort of really review their policies. Yeah, and I think that's that's the biggest thing here is if, if it was still illegal in America or wherever she, like... Yeah, okay, you can't have illegal drugs. However, they're now legal. And like you just said, Switchy, if anything, it, it's far from performance enhancing. I think it's actually going the other way. So, yeah. I, so the regulations are a bit behind the time, right? Well, 100%. yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, do, do, I mean do, you know why, do you know why marijuana in the first place was um, cr- criminalised in, in the US? No. It, all, it, all, it, all, it all came because uh, from hemp. So there was a push from a guy that used to make paper and, and run sort of newspapers. And hemp was, was, has so many uses. So they were back, back in the whatever um, decade it was, they're looking to make paper out of hemp. But the guy that ran the paper mills and controlled the newspaper industry um, ran a campaign to protect his own business interests by... Um, Casting sort of, you know, um, you know, making marijuana or hemp um, seem, you know, uh, bad or you know whatever it may be, and essentially, um, you know, trying to find the word to uh, ac- accurately p- portray it. But uh, whatever they did, he he put you know, hemp in a bad light, and therefore it became illegal, and he protected his own business interests and you know created his empire. Um, that's mm. sort of a real quick and dirty and maybe inaccurate summary of, of the history. <laughs> <laughs> so that could be none of that is true, but... No, no, it's definitely true. I'll have to look it up and, and give you the... Um... What what have you been doing tonight, Switchy? Are you up in Byron or Port? Or... Uh, a little bit further south. <laughs> Nimbin. He's in Nimbin. I Nimbin. Think. Nimbin. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Right. Righto. So there's plenty of other stuff to cover, right? We don't go on to Streety's history of marijuana for medicinal recreational <laughs> use. What about, so NBA finals, game one today, boys, Milwaukee Bucks versus Phoenix Suns. Phoenix Suns took game one. Any thoughts there? How's that series going to go? Will Chris Paul get his ring or will Giannis enter Tacumbo get one for the Bucks? I don't think it'll be Suns in four, but I, I think the, the Suns, <laughs> Suns in um, have, um, I think they'll win it. I, I think it's, it's, it's a good, the fact that these teams are in the finals, it's, it's something new. It's a bit of a, a, a brush of breath air, a fresh of breath air. No, it's not right. Mm, breath of fresh air. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, I usually do this podcast sitting at my desk, but I'm um, I'm reclined back on a bed, um, leaning on a pillow. So um, You look like, because you're at a holiday house, you look like you're about to be in a swingers porno, I think. Like, yeah. <laughs> 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 That pine bed is about to be rocking, I think. There's a bit of ladder. 
He's just chuffed up and come on a podcast. You yeah, beauty. You know. <laughs> the Pineapple Express. The Pineapple Express. <laughs> uh, so back to the Phoenix Suns. Um, <laughs> listen, uh, I, I think it's a good story for the league and you just get the sense that the Suns are just on this roll and, you know, I can't see them being beaten. I think, you know, that out, of, out of all the teams in the last couple of years, one through five, that they, they probably represent what you actually want in a basketball team, you know, uh, really good point guard, you know, strong in, in terms of a traditional team, good center play, good, good wind, uh, wing depth, shooting defense. Um, so they, they tick all the boxes this year. Yeah. Yeah. Worth, and I mean, you look, at the story, you look at the story of it too. And like it is pretty like two years ago, worst record in the league rebuilt last year, NBA finals this year. Yeah. If they well, as this season's gone, if they stay healthy, they win it. But all as we've seen, all it takes is a, a few knees, a few hips, or whatever that might be, and all of a sudden your season's over. But yeah, I don't. It's not going to be Suns in four, although sweet t-shirt. Um, but <laughs> sweet video. But, that was pretty. Oh, cool. The whole thing though, as well, how they and Denver's my team, but that mm. Denver Blake deserved a punch in the head. So he gave him about 10. So, <laughs> but yeah, they stay healthy. That's it. Even if both teams stay healthy, I don't see them. they're on too much of a roll. They yeah. might drop one or two, but yeah. Yeah, it seems you like they've got and, momentum. I mean, yeah, they, they were kind of gifted a golden run. Yeah, as you say, with uh, injuries, but I mean, that, that's the sport. You know, mm. you may not have got the best two teams uh, in the finals, but uh, this year, you probably might have the best two healthiest teams available. Um, but, you know, Phoenix, yeah. to their credit, play a really good style. Um, they're quite a good team to watch. Um, mm. And they definitely have the nicest looking court and their uniforms are pretty sweet. So it's, uh, it's pretty good for TV. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you deserve it because sweet unis. Sweet yeah. uniforms and good courts. That's probably yeah. fair enough. Also, too, I kind of think that this is Phoenix's only tilt because – if you look at Chris Paul, he's had a great, you know, couple of years and he's, you know, into his sort of early, mid-30s now. And, you know, the, 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 the chips may not fall any other way for them um, or they may not fall the same way again uh, next season. So they really have to, you know, um, car, carpe diem it, seize the day. And because mm. if they don't win it this time, you know, there's every chance that, you know, Paul, another year older, Phoenix Suns may not get to where they are. Uh, and that window yeah. maybe slams shut pretty quickly, quick, as quick as I it think opened. This is their Toronto year in that they win it this year or no, that's it. Yeah, that's right. So, yeah. Well, it's a little get, bit – and that probably is like the case for a lot of teams, right? It's probably the same little bit for Milwaukee. If Milwaukee don't win it here, then, you know, they, they're probably going to lose Giannis in a couple of years anyway. Well, he's just um, signed a five-year contract. So I think yeah. out of the – even though Phoenix are young, I think uh, if you look at um, who could afford to lose this finals the most, I'm going to say it's the Bucks only because you've got you've got uh, Greek Freak locked up for five years where Phoenix's best player is old and, you know. Um, you do have him locked up for five years, but the supporting cast around him is getting old. Like, yeah. So, and, like, I, I kind of feel like whilst, whilst you know, Phoenix, I, I kind of think Phoenix have probably got more young talent than what the Bucks have got. Um, it may have more depth. Yeah, they're going to lose Chris Paul, like obviously, because 
you know, he's not going to be playing at the level that he is now. Um, but if, if yeah, I, I, I think the Suns have got a better upside than what the Bucks do, um, even though they've got... Moving forward, for sure. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Well, well, so what about the local league, the NBL? That came to a conclusion recently. Melbourne United took that series fairly comfortably over Perth. Perth were fairly injury-ravaged. Um, you boys catch any of that? Strudy, you're a known hater of the NBL. Listen, I just have to pr- just correct you there. I'm not a known hater of the NBL. I did watch some of the finals. Um, mm. The fact that uh, it's difficult to find on um, pay, pay TV networks to actually watch games uh, makes it a... It, <laughs> it's on ESPN. Yeah, yeah, I know, I know. There's, there's, there's other shows. <laughs> only, it's only hard because you work... You're like a vampire. You watch NBA during the day and then you do work at night. And so you're busy whilst it's actually on. True. That, that's a fair yeah. point. Um, <laughs> there's, there's some sweet uh, Geordie Shaw uh, reruns as well during the night. So <laughs> hard to catch up on. But, uh, escape to the countryside yeah. on life. I've got to say, it, it's, it's, been, it's, been hard to, it's been hard to dive fully into the NBL the last couple of years. And there's a thousand reasons for that. Um, yeah. But, you know... Um, it, 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 like any final series, it's disappointing when the best players aren't available. But in saying that, I'm happy Perth lost. Yeah, I'm happy Perth lost. I can't stand yeah. the Wildcats. And I think that their injuries were pretty much just basically bringing them back under the salary cap. But that is to say, I don't think Melbourne United were under the salary cap for any part of the year anyway. So um, I do kind of feel like when you talk about haves and have-nots, and we'll have a bit of a talk about the NRL in a second and some of the cricket scores there, but in the NBL in particular, I was glad that the Wildcats lost, but I don't think that competition has equity and balance. I think the yeah. unfortunate thing is is that, you know, there's the Perth Wildcats and there's Melbourne United and then there's basically everybody else. The Sydney Kings last year kind of maybe got there into the finals, but... Um, by and large, those guys, and, and then there's a, a second tier of teams that just chase the actual results against those guys. Unfortunately, everything is weighted in their favour because they've got all the money. So, mm. yeah, so that's a shame. So, Maybe that needs to happen for the next year or two in order for you know, for parity to come back a bit, you know. Um, mm. Mitch McCarron signed, a, you know, probably the, the highest-touted free agent. Jordan yeah. Adelaide, so they... He is underrated. He is very underrated. Mitch is a great player. Yeah. Um, and he and will fit well with Daniel Johnson, who I believe is the most other underrated player in the NBA. I love DJ. He's great. Yeah. And, and look, I think they, they probably will bring some salary bit of equity back into it. But at the same time, I think because they struggled for so many years, they're just letting it ride to try and get some scope back in. With Lamelo Ball back in, gave it a bit put a bit more of a spotlight on it and then brought it to this year. They struggled with COVID and, you know, ending in last year's NBA, uh, NBL finals, just with, oh, well, we can't play anymore because of COVID. That's it. There you go. You win. (laughs) Oh, yeah, that's right. That hurt them a bit. bit. But in Mm. in saying that, I think they're just sort of riding while it's good now. Uh, And then, look, hopefully, yeah. I mean, it's like anything. They got they got to get some money injection into it, and then and then hope for the best sort of thing. So, yeah. Oh, look. Well, maybe the saviors of the go. NBL with the Tassie Jack Jumpers coming in next season. Yeah, yeah. new team, the Jack Jumpers. Don't know about that, but 
yeah, since that, the Huskies baptism failed. Baptism of fire, new shattered. team coming out of a global pandemic and you're based on a small island off the mainland. The Huskies yeah. haven't failed, mate. They just play in the New Zealand National League now. They just went I'm, still, I'm still waiting on my refund from being a foundation member. Unbelievable. <laughs> uh, I can't believe that never, never came through. Uh, what a surprise. Well, let's talk a little bit about National Rugby League, boys. The state of origin next week will be in our hometown, McDonald Jones Stadium. Getting up. Now, who, who would have foresaw in the in the previous episode where Nugget and I spoke about the, the possibility of the league looking to have a regional state of origin once every three years in Queensland and New South Wales? That would actually happen two weeks later after we spoke about it. And Newcastle, by default, um, gets a state of origin. But I think, uh, I think it's good. It, it, it's good for Newcastle. It's good for regional footy. Yep, yeah, absolutely. I, I think it's great, as in, like, I'll, I'll sleep over at McDonald Jones on Sunday night to be there Monday morning. <laughs> but uh, is that what you're but, gonna do? You reckon to get them? No, nah, no, nah, we get members' preference, but but in saying that, the timing, the idea is perfect. And we spoke about it, uh, last episode. If you, you want to rerun that, uh, listeners, episode 53, get on it. Um, but yeah, I think just the timing of it, there's going to be some backlash, mm. especially if there's a few COVID cases pop out of the back end of it. In that I don't think, yeah, it, it, that's the only negative I'll draw on it. The positives, though, absolutely, whether it be regional Queensland, regional New South Wales, it's a hard one because from a viewership-wise and you know those local towns, they'll 100% get behind it. From a money perspective... If you've got someone like Melbourne throwing so many million dollars at it, yeah. it's stupid not to take it to Melbourne. So, Did it's Melbourne a hard try, one. try to get game three? I think they threw some money. It was nowhere near Townsville, though, like what Townsville paid for theirs. Yeah, but well, I think that they, the value of the game is severely decreased because it's a dead rubber. So, yeah, yeah exactly. Um, yeah. Townsville, Townsville paying for game one, that the value of that as an event would be significantly less than the value of this. Um, yeah, Newcastle, and uh, and and honestly, like, uh, yeah, like, you know, it's it's an interesting move by the NRL. I mean, one positive case up here uh, of COVID, and you know, and the whole thing probably goes into a some type of well, you're not having a crowd here, like, you know, so yeah. they could sell tickets on Monday, and then by Tuesday, mate, you know, if we have a positive case between now and then, which is highly likely, uh, mm. still, then you know, then you're just not gonna not going to have any crowd there. So anyway, it's like everything. Which, I guess. which mm. is ludicrous. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, well, well, it's a big one. Talk about, now. We talk about helicopter parents, but man, we're being hel- helicopter governed, but, but that's a whole different argument. Yeah. That's a whole different podcast. So you have to do it. <laughs> scores in the NRL boys. When we talk about haves and have nots, we've seen some absolute shellackings and, Streety famously pointed out on the weekend how bad the Bulldogs were. I appreciate that for you not letting me <laughs> forget that. Uh, you gave me a minute-by-minute minute update of that, which was very well appreciated. What uh, what do you make of this, boys? Is the league imbalanced or is it just like Peter Volandis and some of the guys saying that, you know, well, it's just bad clubs, bad management, bad governance, and they've got to pick up their act? Well, this is a quote from Cameron Smith. Um, he was quoted saying, What the new rules have done is it has exposed clubs with mismanaged rosters and things happening in the front office. 
Now, I'm not too sure what the front office thing means, but mm. I can totally understand it from a mismanaged roster point of view. Mm. Uh, you just have to look at, you know, Bulldogs have probably been through a rebuilding process for a little while, but the Tigers is an example. Um, you know, that that is probably a good example of a mismanaged roster. And I mm. suppose alluding to things, poor, poor management in the front office with, you know, a lot of their sort of internal movements and hirings and firings and comings and goings and so forth. Mm, absolutely. I think maybe the rule changes have been, and no one could have foreseen this, but the effect it's had has is, is, is been too rapid. Um, it, you know, maybe mm. have to massage some of these rule changes in bit by bit and, yeah. you know, let them evolve. And, but it definitely is a, a, a class of haves and have-nots this year. Yeah. And, and we've, sp- we've spoken about it before about how ridiculous it was to bring a rule change in halfway through a season. That was just ridiculous. In saying that, going back, Cameron Smith, hardly someone to throw stones at a front office in that, what, they should be running two books, Cameron? Is that what they should do? <laughs> fucking dickhead. Yeah, but just anyway, the whole of credibility in that space. Yeah, but, exactly. But, but he probably, that, yeah, sorry. Yeah. yeah, in saying that, yeah, you mismanage your rosters. The game was always getting quicker. It was last year. So, again, for the Tigers, I mean, signing like uh, Joey Lulua, which is he's been at the buffet for the past three seasons, um, it, signing these big buffers now, you know, it, it does go away from it. But it more so just shows that depth as well in that there's been a lot of injury as well. But well, there's, other yeah, teams have had yeah. injuries mm. and they've got a bit of depth there. So, yeah. I think the argument's got some validity in the sense of this phenomenon in the NRL of signing a player to a big deal for four years and then after two, cutting him loose but paying half his salary, right? Like that is in particular what's burying a club like the West Tigers because they're yeah. paying a lot of guys not, not to play for them. Um, yeah. It is like, you know, from actually it's burying the um, – it's, well, I think it's burying the Bulldogs, not because we're paying players that aren't playing for us, but we're paying coaches that aren't coaching us. Um, you know, so, you know, we, Desi. Yeah, we've, we've paid, you know, like, and, and so there's a lot of validity in this concept of mismanagement and those type of things. There's other elements that come into it. Um, I do still think though, that, there is also still some validity in that there's a have and have nots within the league, right? Like, so um, again, some of the big market teams and the ones that are kind of historically got a lot of support behind them, much easier to kind of sign guys and develop guys than what it is for somebody like a West Tigers or somebody like that. But when you say haves and have nots, I think the haves with talent are sort of mm. with these rules are just, you know, allowed to sort of shine a bit more. Mm. The perfect example is Manly, you know, Manly. Mm had a, a bit of a terrible, shocking start of the year, 0-4. People mm. were calling for, for, for Desi's job. Yeah. Tommy Turbo's out injured. He comes back. He's mm. easily been the best player in the comp the last six, eight weeks. Manly have now scored three three straight weeks over 50 points. Mm. And not since the early, early, early days of the league. I reckon have we seen that where a team's laid that many points on. In consecutive games first, the Gold Coast, they scored on four consecutive kickoffs. Off that mm. first set, they did the same thing against mm. uh, the doggies on the weekend. So if you're watching it, it's it's uh, it's entertaining. 
Mm. Yeah, yeah, and you know, Manly might very well be the Phoenix Suns this year of the NRL. Um, mm. You know, just just a roster built with some certain strengths, and and you, know, you you have arguably you know the fastest winger in the comp in this Jason Saab, who if you put the work in, probably could be an Olympic sprinter. Mm. Um, get him into open space, and you've got one of the best plays in the comp backing you up. So every time Manly get a break down the right hand side, four points automatic. It's, it's, mm. it's, it's pretty much a try. Uh, and if you have the ability to do that, then, you know, anything can happen. You can put scores on. Um, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And what about the stupidity of some of the plays in the NRL, namely mm. the 12 that went to Paul Vaughan's house and the party? The Dirty Dragons. The Dirty Dozen. Mm. Honestly, do you, do you get any more ignorant? Like, what, what's nah. the go there, boys? Or are we misjudging? Yeah. Are we cutting them down? What's nah. the go Nah, nah. I mean, to be honest, I think, I think the Dragons stupidity are... deserves to be called out here big time. Yeah. It just... Also, I think the Dragons took their window and went, hell yeah, let's rip, the... rip that shit contract up. But 800K, time... that's, a, that's a pretty good saving. Thanks Massively. For yeah, but totally. I mean, yeah, same... so. Sorry, no. At the same... I was just going to say, it's stupid. It's, it's just mind blowing how dumb these players are. I will say, though, and I don't know who was exactly there or what it might be. If it was just the players, yes, and don't get me wrong, I'm not defending that they're dumb as dog shit. You've got to be kidding me. But at the same time, for the for police involvement and things like that, they've just been on a field tackling each other, laying on each other, sharing with each other. Now they go back to a place and have a few beers together. Well, is it that bad? Well, yeah, okay. In today's day and age, in the restrictions that are in place, yes, it is. But on that, it's only bad if if, 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 if that if they if the other if they're members of the public present at the at the party, yeah, yeah. And how do they get there? Do they take Ubers? So do they engage with members of the public? Obviously, if you take an Uber, well, then that Uber driver could have been exposed to uh, unyet, you know, uh, determined positive case 20 minutes before and did the same thing. Um, so that I, guess, I guess that's what they've called him out on, um, you know. Yeah. I don't have sympathy for the Dragons, but I, I, I can definitely no. see some validity in that argument. Um, but I yeah. think in Paul Vaughan's case, um, pretty harsh penalty, losing his contract over it. Um, You're losing your job over that. and I mean, some of the stories coming out now with, Oh, was it DeBellin hiding under a bed or ran, <laughs> that Duffy sprinted five Ks back to his house? <laughs> Did he? I didn't hear that, that one. But, yeah, uh, yeah, that came out. That came out today. Yeah, he, he went out the fire escape and then sprinted home five Ks. Well, so, so the thing about this, I think, is in in my opinion, I guess I, I get what you're saying, Nug. I think you know, like really, when you look at this particular incident in isolation, is going around to your mate's house and having a few beers after you've played a game of footy a big deal? Probably not if it's only in its just its individual context. But what this highlights is an inability for NRL players to read the room and understand what actually should be done. And I don't necessarily just mean reading the room in terms of a public setting where everybody else is living under restrictions and so should you. You should adhere to them because that's exactly what we all should do. That's a separate issue. What I'm probably more referring to is read the room with your work colleagues. Read the room with those people that you work with 
who have to actually live in this bubble and all under all these rules and understand that you've got responsibilities that what comes with $800,000 contracts is a set of professional expectations. But don't do that for the other players. Do that for the guy who lost his job last year when the league shut down. Do that for the guy who went without an income because the team, like because the competition stopped last year. Understand that you're in the privileged position that you didn't really have to take that much of a pay cut. Or if you did have to take a pay cut, it was you were getting 600, not 800. Um, and not, you, weren't getting, you weren't getting your normal 60, you were getting nothing, right? Which is, is basically what happened to a lot of people. For me, like the punishment here, I think, reflects the fact that these guys have to understand that at some point in time, you're bigger. You need to be part of something bigger than just yourself, and you need to read the room and understand that. And you know, for Paul Vaughan, I don't feel sorry for him because this is a consistent display of an ignorance of reading yeah, the room. He's already done uh, it once. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. And he, you yeah. know, and the, and the whole public apology of you know, oh well, you know, I'm really sorry. I'm really sorry. You know, well, you weren't sorry when you were lying about it. Like, you know, that's that's like getting caught at school and saying, you know, actually, now that I'm definitely caught. I'm just going to say that I'm sorry, you know. We, we've seen this a million times over from athletes who have been caught out, you know. If, yeah, if they didn't get caught, they, would, they wouldn't be remorseful. They wouldn't apologise. It's only once they've caught and no. they realise what's at stake or what, what can be lost. I'm actually really surprised that the Dragons haven't um, torn the contract up of Jack DeBellin as well. Um, I thought, you know, hiding under the well, bed think they, what he's just come out of. I think they haven't done that on the simple fact that they've invested so much in keeping him, uh, like, employed by the club that they just... It's a bit like Nugget said, you're better off economically to cut your loss with an $800,000 contract that you don't really want to pay when actually there's some some potential in Jack and you've spent a lot of money trying to keep him employed by the club. So you want to see an economic return on it. Oh, of um, course. I mean, I, I, I would have thought most clubs would have taken that opportunity. Oh, third strike, you're gone when just wiping no, hands yeah. clean. So, Yeah, well, that's, you know, the reality is, is that both Jack DeBellin and and Vaughan will turn up at another club. If Jack was sacked, he would turn up at another club next year, as will Vaughan. Vaughan will be somewhere else. Like he, totally won't be getting, he won't be getting paid eight hundred thousand dollars a year, but he wouldn't have been anyway. So, so I, I did, I did put a, I did put a bit of a poll in our in our group chat um, the other day. Out of these following clubs, who is the most likely to sign Paul Vaughan? The mm. Newcastle Knights, the Canberra Bulldogs, or the Cronulla Sharks? Out of those three teams, who who would be most likely to sign him and bidst? this recent uh, sacking from the Dragons? Well, I don't think it'll be the Bulldogs only because I think, didn't we just sign Tavita Pangai Jr.? I think we might have picked up oh, his signature. I, well, that's what I heard on all the Bulldogs forums that I'm a part of. Um, <laughs> I, let me say, they're not the most reliable. <laughs> Anything you've been reading in the Knights Kingdom, uh, Nugget? Uh, no, nah, mate, he's, he's not old enough for us. He's got to be on his last legs, and then we'll sign him to a four-year deal. He's got he to be. Us. He's got to be actually part of the old boys before he can actually sign. Yeah. Well, in the uh, Cronulla Sharks to win a premiership till I die um, Facebook group that I'm a part of, uh, the consensus is a definite no to Paul Vaughan. Really? Is that right? I I think football-wise, he'd be probably be a good signing, and he'd be sort of front row that the Sharks would need, but. Yeah, uh, Fitzgibbon, the new incoming coach, apparently has a no dickhead policy, and I find it hard to see how you could fill a roster out if you had that policy across the NRL. <laughs> say, that's high standards and expectations in the NRL. I don't know that you'll be able to keep that though. But uh, exactly, 
What about on the other side of the uh, football spectrum, boys? AFL, the Richmond Tigers. Is the dynasty Dawn. over? Are they finished? Yep. Yeah. Their, their last their last game was the they lost a few. Mm. The media spotlights on them. Everyone's the pressure's on. Everyone's watching, and they get beat by yeah. the Suns. Was it the Suns? Was the last mm. one? I can't remember uh, yesterday. It was, was the Gold Coast Suns yesterday. on the weekend. Yes, that's right. It was the Suns. Yeah. So, mm. yeah, again, it, it's, it was interesting to watch in that you were waiting for them to just, as they've always done, flick the switch and go, mm. okay, we're back on here. Yeah. Now, in saying that, yes, there's still a lot of a season to go. Um, but, no, I mean, I don't, I don't see them. Like I said, it was the perfect opportunity for them to go righto. Even if they scrape through with a win or something, they'd. But it just never came. They they didn't even look like they were in that game ever, mm. to be honest. So, Who's looking most likely to win the flag this year? Western Bulldogs, Melbourne, Brisbane. Well, well, well. Again, Melbourne looked looked the goods a few weeks ago, and they've now just coming back, coming back, and then. Uh, Got, I think the I think the got, Brisbane Lions are looking the most stable club. Uh, yeah, in my opinion of what I've seen this year, I think they're probably the team that has the most talent across the park. I think I think the Demons are a great side and they seem to have come together, but they're just not as consistent and they have had problems in finals in the past. Uh, I think I think Brisbane and Port Adelaide will be the two teams to beat. John Cats always hanging around. Mm. True. Very typical yeah, yeah, of an actual do. cat in New Street. Just always hangs around, never goes away. Just turns up. Just always fades out for a week or two, to, then comes back. Want to kick it? Mm. You just want uh, to kick the it. The young all Sydney time. Swans yeah. making a bit of noise. Currently in sixth. I think they'll make the yeah. finals. Like I think yeah, yeah, they'll, they'll make some noise. I don't think. Yeah, they're a year or two off yet. But are you putting the red line through the Tigers now? You're going to make you making the call. Gone. They're not going to win it. It's hard to write them off out of the eight because they're, well, they they're just outside. I mean, regardless of how well they've been traveling the last couple of weeks, they, you know, last year, probably around this point, I probably wrote them off and said that they wouldn't win the grand final. And then they came yeah, and won the grand final. So uh, the old Mackenzie curse probably struck again. So you won't hear me tell them that they're not going to win because I want to see them not win. So. Uh, I, think the, I think the Tigers will probably <laughs> win it all this year. So there you go, boys. Good luck with that anchor. So uh, get that off your back because no I've one else a, has I, been able to in the history of my life. So. I've got a, a couple of a few good friends of mine uh, who are diehard Melbourne Demon supporters. Mm. We rattle off three or four names. Um, so for those blokes, I'd lo- love to see the D's win it for them. Um, yeah. I did tip the D's ask, to win the grand final a couple of years ago. One of our picks, and they just failed miserably. Mm. Ask them how they went last week against the mighty giants. Yeah, stick that up, yeah, assholes. <laughs> <laughs> Let's see if so that what, comes back to bite you. What about <laughs> overseas, boys? There's a lot going on in sport overseas. Why don't we cover the Euros? So, big game tonight or in the morning? Yep, England in a semi final. Mm. They actually have, have exceeded expectations, progressed past the. Uh, Round of 16 and quarterfinals, where they usually get knocked out of major tournaments. Yeah. 
Uh, and they've looked they look pretty sharp. They've looked very yeah. sharp. Great win over Germany. Um, and the next game is against everybody's sentimental favourites, Denmark, after what happened mm. to their guy in their first game where he collapsed on the pitch and almost part, uh, almost died. He had um, a heart attack, right, didn't he? I think. Yeah. Yeah. And um, so, yeah, Denmark have – I think this is might be their first ever semi-final in a major competition, that being mm. a Euro or a World Cup. Um, so definitely, if you're outside of England, you'll be going for Denmark. Mm. Um because England only are really supported within England and everyone else. It's like, like Italy. If you're not Italian, everyone else hates you. <laughs> well, it, Italy are kind of the Melbourne storm, aren't they? They're just cheating pricks. And, oh, I hate and, the uh... bastards. What about that guy that, that <laughs> faked an injury to get a free kick yeah. and then they scored and he magically got cured and, <laughs> and then uh, got yeah. up. And then one of his Italian teammates on came out on social media and said, oh, it's the, the magical healing power of a goal. It just, you know, you're the rush of, of yeah. adrenaline and excitement. It's, is that good? It overcomes your pain and you can get up and, and continue. And honestly, they just fucking encourage each other soccer players with that shit. Like, honestly, oh, yeah. I, I couldn't like I couldn't be more frustrated with soccer players over the comments like that. Like they should be condemning that shit in their sport and instead they celebrate it. So yep. yeah. Yeah. That's that's let's annoying. go Denmark. Yeah. Denmark. Yeah, you reckon Denmark are in? No, I think well, you want to win it. I think it. Yeah. I, I actually think it. In, but I will they win the? Will they win Italy the final? Will they win the Euro? Will they beat Italy? I hope so because, like, I still harbour a massive grudge against Italy after the 2006 World Cup, where mm. old mate uh, took the dive and um, we subsequently lost that game. The Socceroos, um, Marco Matarazzi, I think his name was, son of a bitch. Um, Mark yeah, so I hate. I've always harboured a grudge and forever will hold a grudge against Italian football. You don't um, hold grudges, mate. Jeez. So who, whoever wins this semi, which I think it'll be England, I'll be um, hoping England win. Um, and unlike the 2003 World Cup in rugby, where they blatantly, you know, didn't play in the spirit of the sport, I think an England win would would be good for the world of football. Yeah. If anything, just all the the pitches later of all the absolute pissheads and pubs just going berserk, as did Scotland when they had their win during the group stages. and they had blokes in kilts sliding down the street. and Yeah. So we'll take that, as long as the Italians don't win. Feel I remember travelling um, in 2004 uh, with a couple of mates. We travelled through Europe um, whilst the Euro 2004 tournament was on, um, being played, I think it was being played in Greece. Uh, and Greece actually ended up winning it. Um, but each country we visited on this Euro trip just got was so into the Euro championships. It was incredible. So, you know, we passed through uh, Holland and the Czech Republic and, and Greece and Spain and and all and heaps of other European, Germany and, and so whoever was playing. Uh, and so some of the best times we had were going to those pubs and just watching uh, soccer and all the carry-on and, and the camaraderie and the dancing in the streets. So a very good environment to, to be in um, in that. Uh, another good thing, hopefully for England, if uh, they can win, Lionel Messi is a free agent, uh, leaving Barcelona. So perhaps if uh, England win, there might be a better chance he joins the English Premier League side. Uh, what side do you reckon he'll join? Me personally, oh, it's all about who can afford him. But I would think that that you know Paris Saint Germain um, or. It's hard to see him playing in Spain again. Maybe an Italian side. Hate them. 
Um, I think uh, Leo Messi in the EPL, I mean, who, who can afford him? Probably someone like Chelsea or Man City. Um, probably Man City if he's going to join the EPL. I think he'd join them. Yeah. Well, what's he when you say afford him? What did he, he was getting paid something like six hundred and fifty million dollars or something in his last contract, wasn't he? Oh, it's astronomical. I think yeah, uh, right. a club would have to, you know, has to be a rich club to afford him. Mm, so if you're looking yeah. at rich English clubs, it's either going to be or well, Man City, uh, the richest by far in, mm. in the UK, and Paris Saint Germain have quite a bit of cash, and uh, he's not going to go play for Real Madrid uh, for fears of his own life because he's. <laughs> and then you know, if if you talk about an Italian team, it's obviously AC Milan or Juventus, but you know, can he play in the same team as Ronaldo? Um, Ju- Juventus are from Turin, uh, Italy, so uh, it's probably you have to think AC Milan. Mm. Winter, yeah, one, one of those two clubs. It's yeah, only okay. three, three big clubs in Italy. Someone will throw big money at him. Yeah. Yeah. What talking of Europe? What about the Tour de France? Have you caught up with any of that, Streety? Do you stay up and watch any of that, mate? No, no. I'm more into mountain bikes these days. More into mountain <laughs> bikes. You've been, been watching the mountain bike circuit, have you? <laughs> no, I've been just riding the new trials in Glenrock, the new Kenny's uh, trail. Quite good. Okay. Yeah. Right. Okay, for all you local listeners out there, get out on Kenny's Trail in uh, in Glenrock. <laughs> eh? Pretty uh, pretty gnarly, is it? Send it, mate. <laughs> Send it. Oh my I'm not much God. of a jumper at all, but uh, all all the jumpers will uh, will love this new section. It's pretty good. Right. Well, I. Uh, but no, but not, fill us not in not on the Tour de France. Not much of a jumper. I'm pretty sure I saw that on every scouting report for you as a basketball player. Not much. of Hundred percent. Yep. Yeah, that's yeah, why absolutely. I just learned to shoot the rock. But we'll send it. Certainly send it to the basket. He won't send it pass-wise to his teammates. That's so. sort of shoot it instead. <laughs> Don't get well, points for making a pass. Tell us about the Tour de France, Maka. Well, so you're in stage 10. So general classification. Pogacar is the defending champion, and he's out in front again. But Where's he in, from? Uh, Slovenia. Um, the interesting thing about this particular point in the Tour de France is that there's an Aussie who's running second and is well within striking distance in the general classification of the yellow jersey. So Ben O'Connor won stage nine, I believe, or stage eight, so a couple of days ago. Um, First stage win at the Tour, uh, and it's put him in second position on the general classification. Now, it's still a long way to go, a hell of a long way to go, but it is nice to again see an Aussie up in striking distance within the podium in the great race. Um, and so, you know, look, honestly, you know, I, I'm not an avid follower of the cycling network, but the Tour de France obviously always attracts my attention. One, for the scenery. Two, for obviously some of the crashes. Um, that was pretty cool to see some idiot get in front of the whole peloton with a sign and bring them all down. Um, yeah. You know, Lycra does not protect you against asphalt. That's pretty clear. What about um, Gabrielle Gatte's cooking shows in the, in, in the breaks? French cuisine, that's always good. They are very handy, yes, absolutely. <laughs> so, um, and in a time where we can't travel, it is nice to see countryside like what you see in the tour. So, um, so for all Australians, keep your eyes on that because we could have another cycling champion in our midst. Ben O'Connor is coming your way. So. And, and on that, how long do you think he'll get done after that for doping and look, and I, blood doping and so on. Look, I'm very sceptical about cycling in general. <laughs> uh, and whenever nah. you see someone like 
Pogacar, who you know has been fairly consistently at the top of his game, that always makes you worry. Uh, <laughs> definitely. So, uh, mate, who knows? I, given my history with cycling champions and the stigma that I have to take because of my previous love of Lance Armstrong and my defence of him, uh, I probably am not the best person to to comment on that. But, yeah, yeah Pogacar Slovenian. Now, another great Slovenian sporting athlete uh, basically put his country on his shoulders and has guided them to the Olympic Games in 22-year-old <laughs> Luka Doncic. As we switch huge... into fan fanboy moment. <laughs> well, I mean, you just have to look at, at what his achievement in getting Slovenia to the Olympics, beating Lithuania in the, in the qualifying tournament in Lithuania. Pretty massive. Mm, yeah. Yeah, look, honestly, to, 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 I mean, obviously to get your country into the Olympics for basketball for the first time is a pretty amazing achievement. And he, you know, this is a guy who's doing some wonderful things in the game, isn't he? You know, like he's, he's a pretty amazing player. Like, I said I a while you, back he's the, uh, he'd be the greatest white basketballer ever. I'm prepared right. to take that a step further and say he is already the greatest white player ever. He's honestly, cool. hold, just hold oh, on a second. Like, hold on like, a second. Saying it. Yeah. He's overtaken Larry Bird as the best ever white basketballer in the history of the planet. I don't know what your wife thinks about this, but you are very quick to get a hard on about white men in basketball singlets, right? Like, you just need to pump the brakes a little bit, right? Like, honestly, Larry Bird, have you heard of Larry Bird? I have. I I have. And for a long time, Larry Bird was uh, the number one white guy ever. But Luka Doncic is, is, is better than Larry Bird ever was. (laughs) <laughs> that will do me like honestly no, get some good wheat some good weed up there Jesus. Find, find me people who who can actually formulate an argument to say that larry bird is a better or was a better basketball player than luka Doncic at the moment you've got two of them right here like oh. honestly, yeah i don't have to look any further mate so like how many championships does luka Doncic have in the nba right now or well, he's only three years in, and um, yeah. But your know. comment wasn't your comment wasn't. Let's judge him on how early he is. Your comment was as of today, right now, he is greatest white basketballer ever. You are off your face, my friend. <laughs> you are off your face. He hasn't even made a qualified his final. <laughs> he qualified his team for the Olympics, right? In a, I'm also I'm also oh talking God. about what, what what he what he has done and able to do. In the NBA, in just a short time, I mean, What's you know, he his, his achievements. What's he done? All right, he What's made he the done? playoffs. <laughs> he made the playoffs. All NBA first hey. team. Uh, you know, like he's he's single handedly dragged the Mavs to an almost season. You know, a victory over the Clippers this year. Oh um, you know, wow! Oh my gosh! Oh, <laughs> you guys clearly oh. don't watch and follow enough NBA to appreciate this. this this dude. Dude, honestly, like this guy is not, I'm not saying that he won't be the greatest basketball player in the world. He may be, right? I'm not at, saying, at I'm, not, I'm just saying, I'm, I'm prefacing it by saying white, greatest but, white player. I don't get white, black, it doesn't really bother me, right? But you're, oh, what sure, you are because saying, this argument is white. He's not going to touch like Jordan or LeBron. That's that, like, okay, all right, well, let's just restrict it to white people, right? Like, okay, when you look at Larry Bird's career, right? Like, 
Oh, no, no, no. I'm not talking about career because John's just, I'm talking about he is a better player now than Larry Bird ever was as a player at his best. Larry Bird is a three-time NBA champion. He's a two-time NBA finals MVP. He's a three-time NBA most valuable player. He is a 12-time NBA all-star. He's nine-time NBA, all-NBA first team. He's a three-time NBA all-defensive second team. He was the rookie of the year. He's in the 50th anniversary all-time team. All right? Um, just FYI, Luka Doncic winning or carrying his team to one playoff series victory. Mate. I think you are stretching things a little. I'll just add a couple more things to that resume. 18 years old, EuroLeague MVP. Larry Bird so was still, still playing high school basketball that age in, in Hicktown, Indiana. Uh, no, Luka Doncic, first Larry team All-NBA at 22. Uh, you know? All right. Well, I'm going to move European champion at, at uh, yeah. 18 years of old. Yeah, 18 years and, old. And, and, News just in, to, uh, cost, oh, I was going to say Kostya Zoo. Uh, Zoo. Tim Zoo just knocked out old mate in uh, start around, yeah. start around, start around three, which oh, funnily, three. En- mm. funnily enough, in a bid to buy time, Sparks, uh, Sparks Ice Bucket was accidentally knocked into the ring to provide <laughs> some much needed recovery time. <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, and then Zoo. But- so he rolled up and just knocked him out. <laughs> but Third round knocker what, is always a handy bet for a, a, a favourite. Yeah. But do you know what, though? Like, honestly, hats off to Spark, like, for getting oh, in the ring should. and having a splash. Like, when other old mate just pulled out because of COVID reasons or whatever, like, what uh, about this that shit? That was ridiculous. Like, yeah. Pussy. Yeah, yeah, but, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, good on old mate. Like, just. I loved him the whole way through. That this is my dream, and I could just look at him going, "Mate, you poor bastard, you are going to be not there." Yeah, How much do you reckon you got ah, paid off, Stevie Spark? Not much. Not much. I just keep thinking all. about Stevie Star, the comedian that used to swallow goldfish and, and regurgitate them. <laughs> so, Strudy, just quickly, just back on Larry Bird. Do you know what year in his career he won his first NBA championship? Uh, third. Second. Second. Yep. Okay. Just after he won the Rookie of the Year. Okay. Two years before he won the NBA MVP. All right. Thanks for that info. So, <laughs> my, my, so what I'm saying is now, 22 years old, Luka Doncic is a better basketball player. I'm not saying winner or achiever than Larry Bird ever was at his peak. You're off your face. So when it's all said and done... I think Luka Doncic will eclipse Larry Bird's on-paper achievements. Anyway. Okay. So Slovenia qualified the Olympics. A couple of big guns didn't, which, you know, for the boomers is, is, is a pretty good mm. thing. So yeah. Lithuania, traditional European powerhouse, performs quite well at the Olympics uh, historically. Gone. Serbia. Um, That's a big Jokic. one. Yep. Serbia not making it is a big one. Yep, the other uh, Balkan powerhouse, Croatia, um, mm. sort of you know a little bit uh, hit, hit and miss the last couple of Olympics, but traditionally have been a very good basketball nation. Good roster, gone, uh, and um, and a, a roster with eight NBA players in Canada hosting the tournament over there, also lost. So the four host nations were all favoured to go through. 
in fact, didn't. So, yep. um, you know, a bit of a changing in the guard of who's going to be there in Tokyo. Um, so we'll do, an, a, we'll do a Boomers Olympic special probably just after they play those warm-up games. But, uh, yeah. but to allude to it a little bit, it does it, it means that Australia's pool has uh, Italy, Nigeria and Germany in it. Um, and, and I guess if you'd looked back two years ago or even, well, yeah, let's say three years ago when the last World Cup was on, um, if you had said that our Olympic pool was going to be those three teams, I think you would have said that we were a good chance to qualify for the quarterfinals straight up, right? But the thing that you've got con- confronted with now is Italy and Germany have come through a qualifying tournament. They've played games together. They've been in tournament play together. They now have momentum and belief, and that's huge in basketball. We know that. Um, yeah. So, you know, I do hope that the Boomers can get a couple of really good warm-up games in in Las Vegas, and I do hope they can pull it together fairly quickly because I think they're going to need to. Um, I think they're going to be tough pool games. Yeah. Mm. Italy's certainly no scrubs and maybe um, maybe gaining uh, Danilo Gallinari back after his NBA season's finished. Mm. Uh, got the, a young high school phenom turned college player turned current Golden State Warrior, uh, mm. little Ronald McDonald, Nico Mannion. Um, he's their point guard and he um, led that team uh, through that tournament with a, a couple of good Italian pros. So, you know, they've had some good runs Italy the last um, sort of five or ten years with uh, good tournament success. I think they won, they won a Euro cheap European Championship um, a while back. Um, mm-hmm. Maybe I think even they beat Germany in the final. I can't remember. But, yeah, and Germany, obviously no scrubs either. Uh, they got some uh, a good roster. Yeah. Right up. Maxi Kleber and some other guys. Absolutely. It's going to be a good tournament, boys. It's going to be a good tournament. So. Five weeks out. <clears throat> Uh, mm-hmm. First game, July 25 for the Boomers, and then obviously Olympic events surrounding that. Yep. Getting a bit real. Absolutely. Very good. Well, that was a good episode, boys. Covered plenty. It was yep. good. Honestly, there was a bit of controversy. The Larry Bird and Luka Doncic comments are pretty rough. Um, to well, you know, being a member of the media, we need to uh, we need to make these comments and, and get the content out there. And much like Bogut with his takes, I have to uh, yeah. put some crazy stuff out there to get the chins wagging. Yep, absolutely. Like like I said before, mate, it's it's not show friends, it's show business. It's <laughs> exactly. So you know, we're about attracting uh, sponsors good. and so forth. So we got to get as many as we can. There's the yeah. basketball associations right behind us. <laughs> yeah. uh, no surprises you'll be scouring the internet for a Luka Doncic Slovenia singlet as we speak I would suggest so. uh, I've already got a Mavs jersey uh, mm. uh, yeah. two, two in fact um, alright so I'm... we may not get together before the conclusion of the NBA finals so uh, with the Suns up 1-0 how's, it, how's this going to play out quickly what have we got Suns in 6 Nugget same I'm going to go Suns in five. Mm, cool. Yeah. I think they'll get up 3-0. Bucks will win game four. And then Suns will close it out in game five. So 4-1 to the Suns. Mm-hmm. Um, and Jay Crowder, after he must be the lucky charm. He was with the Heat last year. Make the finals, change his teams. Well, Monty, on the, on the Suns and the Heat, Monty Williams, man. Yep. He's, great he's story for story. him. Mm. So Phoenix are full of great stories. Um, you know, the... DeAndre Ayton drafted, you know, came to the USA from, from the Bahamas, played high school basketball in Phoenix, recruited locally to the Arizona Wildcats, 
um, in the state, drafted number one pick by Phoenix. So he's only ever played basketball ever, only in uh, in, in Phoenix. So and and uh, who's old mate that uh, who's old mate that's guaranteed a ring? That was it started with the Tory yeah. Craig. So yeah. Tory Craig, who was actually it, an import for the Bullets M- a couple of years ago, MB- NBL star, yes, mm-hmm. yep. yeah, 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 yeah. So he, what did he do? He started with the Bucks, didn't he? Or did he start with started the, the season like with the Bucks and then was waived? Mm-hmm. Which I yeah. think yep. is a crazy yeah. rule. Like if you get if you get waived, you don't deserve a ring if your team goes on to need you to win because mm-hmm. they didn't need you. So well, yeah, they didn't you want you. Obviously, didn't want you, did they? <laughs> yeah, it's not if as if you, you played tell, a role in them winning it. Um, you tell Mister Craig that. He's loving it. I get, I get the impression that he wouldn't wear that ring um, in public. If would you? So okay. So here's a question to close it out, right? Let's let's say this question was posed to Andrew Gaze when he got his San Antonio championship ring, even though he didn't really set foot on the court at all. Would you wear it with pride, or would you bury it in the back of a cupboard? I'd sell it. Would you? <laughs> No, no. Like if you're Andrew, Andrew Gaze is different because he actually was on that Spurs roster. You know what I mean? Like, mm. and and then you know, um, was he cut? He didn't make the playoff roster, but he was he was on the regular season roster when it ended. And then they have a playoff roster, and mm. a couple of guys came back, so he didn't play on that. So he's with that. He was a Spur the whole time. Tory Craig's a bit different. He was with the Bucks. He gets cut. So and then, ironically, if if they beat the team that he joins, there's no way on earth you're going to wear. You know, oh, they cut me and they beat me. But I'm still going to wear the ring. No way. You, you got to get rid of it. Do you know what I would do? I would also, I would wear that ring every time I went out for an entire year. And I would also get a jacket made up, which just had a big Larry O'Brien trophy on the back of it. Like as a, like in kind of like that fabric that just kind of stands out off the jacket and just write NBA champion on it or whatever. Right. And it would be embroidered and everything. And it would be so good. And I'd wear it to dinner once a week for the entire year with that ring. Um, probably in Phoenix uh, if they got beat because i got an NBA ring. I don't care. Go fuck yourselves. <laughs> so that's yeah. what I would do. Yeah. Honestly. I, 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 I don't I, need to earn I, my sporting rewards because I'd probably, it's probably unlikely that I'll ever get any, right? So the reality is if, if – if I was like Stephen Bradbury or if I was someone that just basically inherited a championship ring or a gold medal, you wouldn't get it off my neck or my finger. That's pretty much it. Bradbury right. had to race the race, though. He had to get there in the first place. Tory Craig, yeah, like, not even on the team. They, they got rid of him because like, they didn't want him. Like Bradbury, always, like Bradbury always says, though, that, that gold medal wasn't for that race. It was for the previous eight years he'd put into the sport. Mm-hmm. So you could go, well, I've been playing basketball my whole life. The pinnacle is an NBA championship ring. Yeah. Trust me, I, I wouldn't be wearing it every day, but if you ever saw Hank, I guarantee he'd be waving it in your face. Let me tell you. For, I mean, <laughs> honestly, I have that. For Tory Craig, for, for, for Tory Craig, it's like he's he's got a he's got a missus, right? And then she dumps him and then she gets with another bloke. She falls pregnant, right? And then has the baby, and then and then they ask, Oh, can, can you babysit uh, you know, baby while you know take take the new fella out? He's like, What the hell? No. Can't do it, Tory Craig. Don't don't accept the ring if, if the Bucks win. No, where did, where did that go? What are we talking about? Have you uh, been drinking tonight? I Have do. you been drinking tonight? I don't yeah. know what the hell you're talking about. Anyway, Those, that's uh, probably, we got to call yeah. it, man. That's I got nothing. I don't know. No, what no, you're I, I got one more. Got one one more thing. Now I spoke earlier <laughs> more before about the whole hemp marijuana paper thing. 
Okay, so this this uh, story comes from, I'll read it here. Uh, marijuana pro prohibition was drummed up to remove fibre hemp from competing, in, uh, competing with industries like nylon, paper and cotton. The most common theory is that the DuPont Corporation, you've heard of them, inventor of nylon, joined forces with the newspaper baron William Randolph Hearst, who had a pulp paper investments to demonise marijuana in order to get fibre hemp off the market and continue his business. So that is why initially um, marijuana was demonised in the States and subsequently the politicians got on board and made it uh, illegal. And then we have these. So I'd love sporting suspensions are a legacy of this particular um, thing that played out in the 1920s. What the fuck is happening? We should have finished on the pregnant lady with the championship (laughs) ring. I don't know what we're talking about now. No, that's champagne. I don't follow it. I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> well, you do. Is that uh, it, it hailed back to our uh, talk about uh, the sprinter that got? Um, I know. We, you know I, I, I know. I know when we spoke about it last. But honestly, I switched off after the first sentence. I don't know what else you said after that, mate. It's too late. I don't know. Well, listen, I don't know. Well, let's see, I probably switched off from what you were saying after you said Luka Doncic is better than Larry Bird. That, like probably. right now, that that hurt me. Honestly, that that was probably where I lost you. Now, listen, can I? No one can see this, but can I comment on your attire? I mean, you're taking that beanie off, but you're wearing black fingerless gloves <laughs> and a black and white stripy top. Any chance you've spent a bit of time in prison with um, <laughs> oh, a hamburger from from McDonald's toys? Honestly, anything's possible tonight. Anything is possible. I don't know. <laughs> It's cold in here, mate. It is cold in here, right? Not all of us have escaped the lockdown to the mid-north coast, okay? Some of us are stuck in freezing Newcastle. <laughs> Has been pretty cold. Yeah. On, on that right. one. Good night, Jim. <laughs> yeah. All right. It's probably time to quit while behind here. Wrap it up. Good on you, boys. <laughs> all right. Yeah. Stop recording. Thanks, boys. And everyone else, we'll see you for the uh, Dikembe Matumbo episode number 55 55. coming up next. Adios amigos. See you boys.